0: Sports fans, Welcome to Starter Quest, a podcast with the classic video games through the eyes of the barely legal gamer.
1: Uh, did you have to put it like that? <laughs> I know if you say virgin gamer, it might give people the wrong idea, but come on.
0: Episode number 11, where we are crushing Duke Nukem 3D. I am your host, the true alpha male of this podcast, Alessandro Crola, alongside my intergalactic hot babe partner and the star of this podcast. Jen Hughes.
1: Ooh, intergalactic. Getting little hints of what this game's actually about. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing okay. How about you?
0: I'm doing quite well. We'll be able to do this for a few episodes now, what with Mark doing the guest spot in episode nine and then us redoing the mission statement in episode 10. But let me ask, what have you been playing recently?
1: I've been playing a fair bit of The Sims 2. As usual. As usual, but I have had to dial it back because I found that I was vicariously living through my Sims and that kind of made me a bit sad so i kind of pulled back from it a little bit i don't know i was losing hours and hours in the day to it and i've got lots and other things that I need to be getting on with
0: understandable you're worth putting a lot of time in that game
1: i needed to give myself a bit of an intervention to be honest mm-hmm. i've also been playing a lot of disney Dreamlight valley on my nintendo switch
0: yeah this is one you've definitely got into a lot since the end of last year
1: I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's just Animal Crossing, but with Disney characters instead of the Animal Crossing characters.
0: Which does suit you down to the ground, doesn't it?
1: I mean, I was raised with Disney. I've got a lot of fond memories, especially of the older films. Me and Nana used to watch them a lot together. Mm -hmm. So with this game, I am living my Disney princess dream. I know there's microtransactions in the game and it's not entirely finished yet, but you know what? I take my joy where I can get it.
0: Understandable.
1: Your town starts off as being like really desolate and barren and sad. It's implied that your past self was responsible for it. You've got to try and make things better and defeat this evil, which is making everyone forget what the story of the game was.
0: Yes, the evil is communism, and you defeat it by spending money on the game.
1: They have opened an online shop now, and people are not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Trying to peddle microtransactions on us... It's a bit infuriating, but my Disney princess dream, I'm not going to let capitalism stand in my way. Mm-hmm. How about you? What have you been playing?
0: What have I been playing? Jeez.
1: Where do you start?
0: Yeah. I can officially say that I like Ramatra in Overwatch 2.
1: Who's that again?
0: He's the new character they brought in at the end of December. He's the brother to a long-standing character who's the robotic monk. That's literally a robot who is a monk. right? And this guy is the leader of the robot army that rose up and defeated humanity. But as much as robots can be brothers to each other.
1: So a bit like the Sephiroth clones then?
0: Oh, God, don't get started on those. <laughs> also in playing Fire Emblem Engage.
1: Oh yeah, that's the one where the girl's got the red and blue hair that's down to her feet.
0: You can be male or female. I've chosen female. because I think it just suits the character better.
1: Right, okay. So did you make her have red and blue hair?
0: No, that is... In the storyline that the character has red and blue hair.
1: I don't know how she manages to do anything, to be honest.
0: That's the beauty of being a tactics RPG. She doesn't really have to do anything, just tell everyone else what to do.
1: The long hair is a status symbol. Yes. She's not going to need to move around with that hair. You also have to, like, marry people together. There's a whole thing with rings.
0: Yeah, the whole game's basically about how you engage with these... Fire Emblem usually does the same thing as Final Fantasy, where it's kind of implied that Other games happen either in the past or in other universes. Right. But this game has this whole thing where you bring back these Spirit of the Rings who are all characters from previous games, partly to appease all the people who got into the series through Smash Bros. So we can actually see Roy, Marth, and Corrin and their actual character elements.
1: And you're like marrying them up like you're Peter Powers. Now look at like the big list of anime waifus that you've got to marry together. They're just all random anime characters as far as I can see. I've not played any of the Fire Emblem games.
0: Fire Emblem has to get on this podcast at some point, but I don't know what our entry point. If you've got an idea, listeners, please write in. I may actually have to play some of the older Fire Emblems to get my opinion on the series a bit more.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: For now, though, let's leave all this RPG shit for the nerds and play us some good old-fashioned American gun violence with Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah. Let's rock. Bit of an obvious question based on that, but do you know what genre this is?
1: This is a first-person shooter.
0: Right. Just very quickly, how would you describe first-person shooter?
1: So, an FPS, or first-person shooter, is a game where you navigate each level, shoot enemies that come after you, and your goal is to get to the end of each level. Mm -hmm. Usually, like, these levels are all just, like, parts of a larger story. As you kind of do with a lot of games, you get your boss fights at the end, and then at the very end of the game is the big bad boss. In a game where you're playing in the third person, you can see them on screen and all the moves they make from above. A first-person perspective, you're looking through their eyes.
0: Yes, so in a first-person perspective, you are the main character. Yeah. You're about to become Duke Nukem.
1: Yeah, I'm going to nuke some Dukeums.
0: So what do you know about Duke Nukem?
1: It's about a guy called Duke Nukem.
0: Yes, clues the name.
1: Yeah, he's got, like, big muscles and... Blonde, Billy Idol square hair. Mm-hmm. He likes to kick ass, chew bubble gum, score hot babes and deliver bad pickup lines and uh, knit nice blankies for the puppies in the puppy shelter.
0: Sadly, a little off on that last one.
1: What, he doesn't knit blankies for puppies?
0: No, he does not.
1: What? I'm so surprised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you did touch more into what the character was with something you said there, though. You talked about the kicking ass and chewing bubble gum. Do you know the significance of that?
1: It's from They Live. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, we saw that years ago. It's got Rowdy Roddy Piper, the wrestler guy in it.
0: Yes, Scotland's best wrestler. <clears throat> but yeah, the movie one liners definitely a trait of the character.
1: Oh, so not like bad pickup lines?
0: He has a few of those too.
1: Yeah, I-, I would think so. Like, one of the things that I know about Duke Nukem is that he is like a bit of a dick. Like, he's A parody of the 80s action man action hero. Uber masculine to the point of parody.
2: Absolutely, yes.
1: And that's kind of like the point. I don't know how many people are going to look up to Duke Nukem as an ultimate male role model. Having said that, you do get plenty of people who watch like Wolf of Wall Street and Fight Club and kind of miss that it's a critique on toxic masculinity type thing. So who knows? There might be.
0: Knowing who makes this game, I'm not entirely sure on the level of parody going into this. There's a good chance that this character was made with some good faith.
3: I mean, maybe there
1: is. Just because it's a parody character and a bit of a piss doesn't mean they can't be good characters.
0: I know, it's just... You know sometimes when people just make a joke about themselves, but it's very clearly that they're just talking about themselves and it's not that much of a joke?
1: sometimes yeah yeah
0: that's what i get with duke nukem he's writing this character to be uber masculine and to a funny extent but there's part of me that wonders if this is just his viewpoint of the world
1: this is how he sees man yeah or he has kicked ass and chewed bubblegum at least once in his life
0: he has definitely not done that
1: <laughs> but he's definitely watched they live many the- many times
0: out of curiosity do you know who makes this game
1: Uh, well, I know there's the build engine.
0: Yes, it's not the name of the company that makes it, though.
1: No, I don't know.
0: There's definitely one name that stands out in the design team that if I say it, you'll instantly go, oh, that guy.
1: See, I've got an idea because I watched the What Happened about Duke Nukem Forever. It was delayed for like over a decade. Yes, And it was kind of because the guy wanted like more things added to it when he saw some cool things in other games.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that in the aftermath, because it is a fun story.
1: Get into that in the aftermath, but I-, I do think of him as, because I don't remember his name, I'm going to call him, like, Odin, because, like, Matt McMusso says that he woke up from his Odin sleep to give the <laughs> to give developers, like, more notes to take on before going back to
0: his tomb. <laughs> it is such a good phrase, Odin's sleep. We'll talk about him in our second half. Right, okay, that's fine. In regards to the movie quotes of Duke Nukem, do you know any other ones he makes?
1: Um, I think there's one, I think there's a bit where he passes by the id building, so the developers of Doom, who were their arch-nemeses, and he like blows it up and says,
2: I ain't I afraid
0: of no quake.
1: I don't know if that was this game or another game, I don't remember.
0: Do you know the significance of that?
1: Is it like... Because he's not afraid of the cool game that they're making.
0: Yeah, so they're making a game called Quake at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. With its own special engine and everything.
0: Mm -hmm. Any other movie quotes that you know?
1: Mm, I'm assuming he doesn't launch into the funeral scene in Steel Magnolias. No. (laughs) (laughs) Reenacts a whole episode of Full House for no reason at all. Yes. What? No. (laughs) You had me there! No,
0: I actually don't know. I'll see how many you catch when you're playing through the game.
1: Right, okay.
0: Do you know the significance of those lines? How they come up in plot? No. Okay. So can you name any characters from this game other than Duke Nukem?
1: Duchess Nukem. (laughs) No. Yeah, of course not. Why would Duke Nukem have a girlfriend anyway?
0: His name is Duke. That isn't his, like, landed title.
1: Really? What do you mean he doesn't have a landed title?
0: Sadly, he is not a Duke.
1: (laughs) He didn't pay established titles to <laughs> for a for a meter squared of our land.
0: Even Duke Nukem isn't stupid off the fall for that shit. <laughs>
1: But it's like just a bit of fun. I think like one of my aunties got it and like everyone who knows is aware that it is just a bit of paper and it's silly and it's fine. But there are people who are actually really annoyed that they couldn't put Lord and Lady on their passport. And it's like, <laughs> do you think that like we're going to give that title out to everyone? Like these rich people don't want anyone to be Lords and Ladies.
0: <laughs> Although I am now just imagining Duke Nukem as a Lord.
1: Lord Duke Nukem.
0: <laughs> Lord Nukem. <Newcomb. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, proper Lord of the Ring pieces right there.
0: <laughs> what are you expecting from this game?
1: I'm expecting some first-person shooting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to see Duke Nukem's face very much, as although I'm sure he'd really like me to see his face more. Um, You said the words intergalactic, which makes me think we're going to be shooting Duke Nukem off into
0: space. Do you know who the enemies are in this game?
1: Uh... Other men who want to try and steal Duke Nukem's hot babes. Am I actually not far off? Aliens. Yes. Aliens who want to steal Duke Nukem's hot babes. Yes. Ah! There we go. I got it eventually.
0: They're coming for our women and only Duke Nukem can stop them.
1: Only Juke Nukem with his big weapon can fight off the beta aliens who want to steal our women.
0: I know, it's such a porn plot, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Check out my massive weapon! So, you go around a city shooting bad guys and delivering bad pickup lines to women that somehow work.
0: Mm, not entirely off, no. Uh,
1: you pass Edge Studios or blow up or something, and uh, sexism. Lots and lots of sexism.
0: Do you think there's a lot of women in this game?
1: I'm sure Duke Nukem would like to have a lot of women in his game.
0: What is Duke Nukem? What's his job?
1: What is his job? (laughs) (laughs) Male porn star?
0: We go male porn star?
1: Maybe like the novelty of the hot babes would maybe wear off if you're a male porn star. (laughs) Because it's like, I don't really see women that way. I've talked to them all the time at work and it's like, it's just a thing.
0: You know when you're a barista and you go home, you're like, I don't want to see another cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> I will not that may not actually be too far from the truth for some people.
0: Do you know how the babes feature into this game?
1: Are they like MacGuffins? Like you collect them like in Kirby's Great Cave Offensive?
0: Not entirely, no.
1: <laughs> not entirely. Am I far off? <laughs> am, am I close?
0: <laughs> Less collectability. <laughs>
1: Oh, wait, you can use them as assist trophies.
0: <laughs>
1: you, like, catch them like Pokemon.
0: No, no. A lot less collectability, but I'll let you see them when they appear in the game.
1: I'm just imagining, like, Duke Nukem as a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> Malibu, I choose you. <laughs> Throws the ball in the ring. Then the, the woman comes out and then the Duke of Physics just bounces her boobs a little bit. I can just imagine that happening. I know it's not going to happen because it's a first person shooter, but it's a really funny image in my head. I had to inflict this on you. I'm not sorry.
0: That mod is somewhere on the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it is somewhere on the internet.
0: <laughs> Where is it? So what else are you expecting from this game then?
1: Um, I don't really know.
0: How do you think you'll find it?
1: I'm imagining it's not going to be exactly like Doom because they're using the build engine and not the Doom engine.
0: Yes, this is easily the next evolution of the first person shooter. You can now look up and down.
1: Oh, great! He can look up and down with the hot babe's bodies. Exactly. I mean, he will end up just staring directly into their cleavage, but whenever they say, hey, you pick my face is up here, he can look up. Another thing I know about Duke Nukum is like the meme where someone's reading out this picture and it's of Juknikum. The top text is, Go ahead, mom. Take away my Xbox. And it's like, got like the da 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 And then the bottom text says, Nothing you do can unfuck the Thanksgiving turkey.
0: Oh, God. If I have my way, I'm definitely going to put some of Gianni Mataragano's impressions of Juknikum onto this episode. Oh, that would be great. But yeah, he does a lot of Juknikum memes that I have. I know you've watched with me.
1: I might be quoting one of them, actually. You quote the I Like Men one a lot. It's so funny. Right,
0: you to have to explain that, though, to the listener.
1: So Gianni reads out Duke Nukem means, and one of them is like...
0: <laughs> it's an, I'll tell you this. It's an actual advert. Do you remember the original message?
1: Oh, if you don't play Duke Nukem 3D, you like men.
0: Yes. Now, I, I've not done any research into this. I don't know the validity of this, but supposedly that was a print advert from when the game was coming out.
1: And then it's just someone who's kind of rearranged the letters a bit and the words to make funny things. And it's absolutely hilarious.
3: If you don't play Duke Nukem 3D, you like men. If you do play Duke Nukem 3D, you like men. You like men.
1: You know how the advert says that if you don't play Duke Nukem, you like men? Mm -hmm. It implies that Once you've played Duke Nukem, you no longer like men. Hmm, I guess so, yeah. Considering what I've heard about Duke Nukem, that checks out.
0: (laughs) Let's go into the rules of gameplay. Right. Rule one, like with Doom, we're playing this on easy mode. Hooray! The version we have does have a rewind feature when you die, which I'm not against us using each time you lose a life.
1: Thank you. I'm sure Duke Nukem would like to know that I'm an easy girl.
0: Hey. Hey. Rule two. This game allows us to use the re-recorded voice lines by the voice actor, or the original voice lines of the voice actor. I thought about it, and as much as I do have a lot of charm for those bit-crunched old versions, we're going to go with the new recorded versions.
1: Are you worried that my hypersensitivity to noise is going to come to play?
0: A little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks, darling.
0: And rule three. I'm a little unsure about where we're going to put the cutoff point for this one. The game originally had three episodes. With the Megaton edition from 2013, they added a fourth episode. But this 20th anniversary edition has added a fifth episode.
1: So now, there's five episodes.
0: Yeah, now I've played four of them. Right. And I would say the minimum you have to play is two. But if you get to the end of three or four, both serve as good cutoff points.
1: So you're basically hoping that I get to third base. Yes. I mean, I'm personally hoping to go all the way. We'll see how tolerable this man is.
0: I would say that as a rule, we don't play episode five. Why? I've never played it, so I can't say how it would be for a new player.
1: So it's not like part of the actual game?
0: No, it's very, very tacked on at the end.
1: Right. Literally very tacked on at the end. It's about five years old.
0: This game has taken us back to the PC. We're playing this in my office again.
1: It's kind of funny because it's a game for PC that is not going to be very PC. No. (laughs) And I mean, this is coming from someone who played Doom.
0: That game was more PC than this for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a different kind of hell.
0: The version we'll be playing is the 20th anniversary edition, which has a lot of quality life fixes. Mm -hmm. It's also just unfortunately the only version they now sell.
1: We can't get a comparison.
0: Not really, no.
1: You can't show me the original Duke and all its janky glory.
0: It's not too far off from this one, thankfully. I have looked at it side by side. Right. Personally with this game, remember when we talked about Doom, I talked about shareware? Yes. This game came pre-installed in the Windows 95 PC my parents got. Oh. So I can say that Duke 3D was the first game I ever played on a Windows system.
1: Really? Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: I completed the shareware version, which is just the first episode. And at the time, I was just fine to go, that's me completing Duke Nukem 3D and move on. Mm. As an adult, i then look back and realise that there is more to the game, and I have played through the last anniversary edition they made called the Megaton edition,
1: mm.
0: when they gave that away free on PlayStation.
1: Ah, so you can uh, handle it in the controller as well.
0: Yeah, but I think we want to stick to doing first-person shooters on a PC just to get this type of playstyle ingrained into you. Mm. So you've got your big guns
1: fuck yeah
0: and you've got your subscription to playboy
1: <laughs> do they, they still make those magazines right
0: uh, i hope so <laughs> are you ready to start betting on duke Nukem 3d sure okay let's get started bitches <sighs> Took you a little longer to get through this game, took you about a month and a half. Mm -hmm. What are your immediate thoughts on your time with Duke Nukem 3D?
1: Well, it certainly was a different kind of hell.
0: Yeah, we did say that in our intro.
1: Yeah, we did, and uh, yeah, I was right.
0: Very quickly on the intro thing, I have to say, slight correction. I said that the fourth episode came out with the Megaton Edition in 2013. No, it didn't. It was with the Atomic version in 1997. Right. But yes, in what way was this a different kind of hell?
1: Well, I say that, but the gameplay was quite fun. Mm -hmm. It was just so many other things that started to niggle away at me until I hit a breaking point.
0: We'll circle around to that point in a little bit, but let's just start on the positive side and tell me what you thought of the gameplay itself.
1: So the gameplay is basically just Doom, except you can look up and down.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I like the gameplay in Doom. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that the gameplay in Duke Nukem is one of its strengths. Considering things I'll go into later, it feels like it's missing something, or a few things. But overall, pretty fun to play, actually.
0: Yeah, so this game is also played using the WSD that we use with Doom. Mm Mm-hmm. So it is quite familiar controllers for you to pick up. A lot of the buttons were kind of all in the same place.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was okay to pick up, actually.
0: But I think the only thing that's new for you in this game that wasn't in Doom is that you had commands to crouch and jump. Mm -hmm. Because there's more verticality to these levels, you can now look up and down. They also have you moving in more directions. So you could actually, like, jump and slip into the air ducts by crouching down or jumping over gaps. How did you find kind of getting around with Duke Nukem and doing the jumping stuff?
1: I found it okay. It took me a wee while to get my thumbs round, especially when I was anxious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not too difficult a transition. Mm-hmm. I did keep looking down with the mouse by accident, but that's a bit of a default for me because I tend to walk looking down at the pavement because I worry that I'm going to trip over something and fall on my face.
0: Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Like, you're never going to see like, Duke Nukem catch his bollocks on the end of a desk thing, you know?
1: <laughs> that would be funny, though. You get nut shots and it'll make you lose your health. <laughs> That's in the very high difficulty, that one.
0: What did this game have, though, that makes it different from Doom?
1: The ability to look up and down. And uh, Duke Nukem delivering a wham line every time you kill something.
3: Blow it out your ass. Mm.
1: It's either a wham line or it's an,
0: oh yeah! <laughs> Damn, I'm good. You'll just shoot something and then give it a good, holy shit! Or you'll pick up a weapon and you'll say, come get some. Hell yeah! So yeah, that is one thing this game definitely has different, is that you didn't really get much on the Doom Marine, but I think you got plenty on Juk Nukum.
1: Yeah, I think with the Doom Marine, there are a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. For one thing, they both like porn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Though Doom Guy, he watched it in the rec room when he was bored before the story starts. Probably because he'd already watched all Friends and Seinfeld and Frasier VHS's to death.
0: <laughs> I think that's definitely the big difference between Doom Guy and Duke Nukem. Doomguy strikes me as the type of person who would watch porn in the rec room alone. Duke Nukem's the type of guy who puts porn on at a party.
1: <laughs> the novelty of being an alien spaceship and shooting things never seems to wear off for Duke Nukem. He always seems to be enjoying himself a bit too much, massacring all these aliens. A bit like how the player is having a bit too much fun massacring these aliens. And I'm part of the problem because the gameplay was fun.
0: (laughs) I think that Duke Nukem is having fun causing chaos throughout the game.
1: Yes. Whereas Doomguy is there because he has to be. He's stuck there and he's got a purpose of trying to get out of there. And Doomguy is not enjoying himself. Apart from when he finds a weapon and he's like, yes, I've got a weapon. More of a way out. Duke Nukem, I don't get that vibe from.
0: Yeah, he is. I don't think that Duke Nukem sees any negative from how his day's going until he dies. Yes. When you usually give a, uh, Uh, this sucks.
1: Imagine being like, when they die, their last word is, oh, this sucks. (laughs) Despite Duke Nukem's reputation, I think that he is more of a dork than Doom Guy.
0: What makes you say that?
1: He's kind of overcompensating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Duke Nukem strikes me as the nerdy kid who only started going to the gym to pull women and prepare for the zombie apocalypse.
0: Yeah, he does have massive prepper energy, doesn't he?
1: He has a lot of bravado and does not shut the fuck up. He is such a poser.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: You know those guys who brag a lot about how much sex they're having to the point where you wonder, are they actually having that much sex? We say this because porn and strippers are a key aspect of the plot.
0: Yes, you will constantly run into both porn and strippers or strippers and porn through the first episode and the third episode.
1: Yeah, and there's also naked women on the spaceship, which we will get to a little bit nearer the time.
0: Yes, because I think a big element of this game is that there's a lot of set dressing. You know, there's a lot of, like, pool tables lying around, or...
1: You get an arcade machine of Duke Nukem.
3: Hmm, don't have time to play with myself.
1: Cool reference, bro.
0: So there's a lot of things around that Duke Nukem can interact with and usually have a one-liner to say as he touches it.
1: Or, like, when he looks in a mirror and he's like...
3: Damn, I'm looking good.
1: Which is kind of... It's nice to have a good, positive self-image. I like that about him. I also think that the level design and the aesthetics of the game look good. The alien eggs are reminiscent of Alien, Mm. and some of the spaceship scenes look a bit like Star Trek, but that's a deliberate choice. I don't think that's laziness as much as it is. Duke Nukem is a massive movie fan. And the people who are making this game are also massive movie fans and want to pay homage to the stuff they like.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of Easter eggs in this game that reference other TV shows and movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Strikes me as homages rather than plagiarism.
0: Now, there's some really weird references in this game. Like, there's Star Wars references, Indiana Jones references. There's a bit where you find the monolith from 2001.
1: Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that's... a. Uh... That's a pretty vital component to one of the levels.
0: There is even a screen in a bar where you can actually see footage of the O.J. Simpson chase. Which
1: I thought might have been a little bit tasteless.
0: The best thing you can say about it is that it is of the time.
1: It is very much of the time, indeed. They do also take pot shots at other gaming companies, like when the scene where they blow up the Quake building. And I think there's a reference he makes about a doomed space marine.
0: You see a man who's been cut in half and stuck to a wall that looks a little bit like the Doom guy.
1: I mean, there is an element of ha-ha, us lads making video games together, but then there's another element that's like, feels like a bit of a dig for no reason.
0: I'll explain a bit more of that when we get into our design.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. As little as the babes do, they are drawn very well. They look great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can definitely see the definition on their nipple tassels. Yes. And that's not a joke.
1: You can definitely tell that a lot of time was spent on drawing these babes. A lot of time. <laughs> Pointing out the obvious, the women are heavily objectified in this game. You think so? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they absolutely are. They are. They're
1: literally objects in the game.
0: Yeah, you trying to work out what you had to do with the babes in the first half, I didn't want to say it to you, but... They rank alongside the pinball machines and the Duke Nukem arcade machines as just objects you interact with throughout the level. Yeah. You go up to a stripper and Duke Nukem just shoves a water notes in her face and goes, Shake it, baby.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get a few types of women in this game. Strippers, hostages, and cheerleaders near the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Very limited selection on the women, which I can understand... Might be a time-saving thing, possibly. And there was something, like, very incongruous, but also kind of cool about, like, you walk into one of the levels has got lava and there's, like, one woman dancing around a fire pit completely naked. (laughs) And there was something kind of, like...
0: Funny about that.
1: Yeah. But why is she just there? Why can't you tell her, hey, uh, you might burn yourself on that fire hen, maybe you should step out of the fire pit?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and there's a good chance that regardless of if she's stripper, hostage or cheerleader, she will show you her tits when you interact with her.
1: Yeah. I started off before playing the game, I thought, okay, Duke Nukem is an overblown parody of masculine macho action hero men from the 80s and 90s. He's not really to be taken seriously and you can have a bit of a chuckle at his expense sometimes. Mm-hmm yeah, I vastly overestimated this game. There was like, you know, he was quite a funny character. He had some funny jokes and moments. But then I started to think, oh God, they're serious. They think this guy is the most awesome, badass self-insert that you can get.
0: Yeah, you can see what I mean though in my first half where I said I'm not sold on the level of parody. I strongly believe that they think this is cool.
1: Yeah, they see him as being aspirational. And by extension, I imagine a lot of boys and men playing this game found him aspirational. Mm. And I say boys and men because Duke Nukem is a manly man. And it stretched even to the advertising. That whole, if you don't like Duke Nukem, you like men, was very common and pervasive back then. I think it still might be, but especially back then, that being gay means that you are less of a man which is just not true.
0: I have to say, I have tried to find where that advert came from and I've not been successful. I'm not entirely sure it's real. Do you think? There's a possibility it may be something someone's made and fabricated as being real. I've not seen a source for it. So I'm just going to throw out that pinch of salt to the audience to say that may not be a real advert.
1: But then whoever made that thought that this made sense for how to market Duke Nukem, it does
0: fit the brand
1: yeah it's very hard for me like and this is not me just being oh i'm a feminist and i think this is bad it's more just a sense of this is not made for me mm-hmm. with doom i could see myself in doom guy didn't feel particularly excluded just because he's a male character men can play as female characters and vice versa and it's fine but with duke Nukem, it's just what they were going for with the game that makes me think, right, okay, I I know what this is.
0: I understand that. I do, because it's... And by the way, if it seems that we're not talking much of the gameplay, there isn't really much to talk about. I mean, we'll talk about the weapons and the items as we go through the game, but for the most part, it is just you have to be a lot more aware of your surroundings, but it does feel more like a sequel to Doom than it does its own system.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can tell that they've taken inspiration from Doom, but. Yeah, there's some mispotential there. Coming back to the point about Duke Nukem being an ironic parody, mm-hmm. I had this friend who would watch Eurovision every year, ironically. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the man was still watching a four-hour long show, including the votes counting. He contributed to their ratings. Like, what statement? Was he making against Eurovision by watching it ironically? Like, nothing. I really get the same vibes here with what they were trying to do with Duke Nukem as a parody character.
2: Mm.
1: Duke is a self-insert character and I don't know if I want to know the person who's the self-insert. Not just because, like, you know, a bit annoying, a bit of a dorky poser or whatever. That's all fine. But... More for reasons I'll describe later, that probably weren't intentional.
0: Well it's a shame that you don't want to get to know the minds behind it because we do have to go through our design process. Oh cool! <laughs> Groovy! Juke Nukem 3D was released by 3D Realms on January 29th 1996, making this yet another game that's released around the same time of Resident Evil, Kirby Superstar and Pokemon Red.
1: Yeah, we've done a lot of 90s stuff haven't we?
0: I don't know what it is about the start of 96, it was just the greatest quarter of gaming history ever, it seems. Yeah. Though this will be the last time we mention 1996 for a while, unless I change my mind and we cover Donkey Kong Country 2 instead of 1.
1: Yeah, that's for the future us to decide.
0: Yeah. 3D Realms was a new company name, but would be more familiar to gamers of the time by its old name, Apogee Software. Apogee were long since known as stable hands in the PC gaming scene of the late 80s. Apogee were the ones who innovated the shareware model, if you remember our Doom episode.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Before then, shareware games were full games that you put online and then you asked for donations as a way of people to thank you for making the game.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What Apogee brought in was this mindset of you give away the first episode for free and then you make them pay to get the rest of the game.
1: That's really ahead of its time.
0: That system would be so innovative to the shareware scene it became known as the Apogee model.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Duke Nukem 3D was released on the MS-DOS system, which to oversimplify it in a big, big way would make it a Windows PC game. Right. It'll be ported to nearly every other gaming system in the world by the end of 1987, including the Gamecom.
1: What's the Gamecom?
0: Have you ever heard of Tiger Electronics?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember getting a Sonic the Hedgehog-themed one in a McDonald's Happy Meal. When I was a kid.
0: Yeah, they tried to make a handheld game system called the Gamecom, and it had its own version of Jake Nookum. Like I said, it was everywhere by the end of 97. Yeah. Now, all those comparisons to Doom are deeply fitting. As 3D Realms were once partnered with id oh. back in the Apogee days, they helped publish some of id's early games, like Commander Keen, which was the platformer, Yeah. and Wolfenstein 3D, which was the very first first-person shooter they made. They parted ways before Ed made Doom, though. But as far as I can see, the split was taken in decent spirits. As much as Duke was blowing up their headquarters and killing the Doom Marine in the games, it always seemed to be taken with good fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Not gonna lie, I was secretly hoping for some spilled tea, but... (laughs) I'm also glad that they split amicably and little jabs here and there were just in good fun. I'm glad about that.
0: Now, there's a little bit of wordplay going on with the title Duke Nukem 3D. Right. You might think the 3D is just because of the first person world that they've built, but it's also because this is Duke Nukem 3.
1: Ah, oh, right!
0: Which I think makes the title itself a movie reference to Jaws 3D.
1: Right, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, Duke Nukem's 1 and 2 were platform shooter games. So think of like Metroid or Turrican, that type of thing that was like a guy running about with a gun that shoots up and down. Right. And they were decently popular. Nothing huge, but did alright. However, after Apogee brought in Doom's poorly treated narrative designer, Tom Hall, if you remember him.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He was the guy that uh, John Carmack said. What, what was it?
0: Story that games like story in a porno. expected to be there, but it doesn't matter.
1: It's very fitting that there's so much porno in this game then.
0: Yes, but it was Apogee who brought in Tom Hall to take his Doom Bible and turn it into an actual game called Rise of the Triad.
1: Ah, okay. What's Rise of the Triad?
0: (sighs) I kind of want to cover it in another episode, so I'm not going to say too much. Okay. I'm not sure if we will or will not, but it is one that's a good possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we get enough people saying, you know, hey, we want this game, then probably.
0: It was after bringing in Tom Hall and making that game on the Wolfenstein engine that Apogee thought, let's make our own first-person shooter engine and use it as a way to adapt the Duke Nukem franchise.
1: Right. So, I mean, basically, I can imagine that they thought, hey, why can't we look up and down in this game? (laughs) Let's make that part of our engine.
0: This decision would take the sales of the Duke Nukem series from the tens of thousands with Duke Nukem 2 to the millions with Duke Nukem 3D.
1: Right, right.
0: To nearly everyone who played this game, the franchise might as well started with Duke Nukem 3D.
1: Honestly, yeah, I can see that. I mean, you assume that there's been a first and second, but I've not heard many people actually mention them at all.
0: I've never played them, I'll be honest about that. What enabled the move into 3D is what would define 3D Realms' legacy, the build engine. It was built as an evolution to the Doom engine, designed to offer more freedom than the former.
1: So is it just looking up and down, or is there other stuff in there too?
0: Be able to interact with levels and having some tricks where it could, like, give you the illusion of having one floor above the other.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Now, that isn't technically possible. You couldn't have Duke on a plane where another plane's underneath it. But there was a way you could build your level where you could give that illusion to the player. So you would feel you've gone up a flight of stairs from ground floor to the first floor. What the game's actually done is tricked you by taking you to another part of the level, but it bleeds so well into the bit you know.
1: Right, so Doom didn't do that?
0: Yeah, Doom, you couldn't do that at all. There was no parts of Doom that were underneath another part of a level.
1: Ah, right, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Having played other modern games, it's so easy to take the idea of other levels to your level as just a given, to the point where I completely forgot that you can't really do that in Doom. Mm-hmm. I think the they've done quite well in showing off those features, considering you start the game at the top of a building, And you jump down. Mm -hmm. And there are loads of like stairs and lifts and everything like that. The pretty seamless transitions and adding lots of objects to interact with, like the babes, the screens in the porno theater, the pool table, the arcades, the cubicles. I'm pretty sure there's like an alien Jesus model at some point you can interact with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fuck it, don't question
0: it. Now, Scott Miller, who is one of Duke Nukem's creators, recalled that with Juke 3D, unlike every shooter that came before, we wanted to have sort of real locations like a cinema theatre, you know, strip club, bookstores. So emphasising on level design was always key to this game.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely shows.
0: Now, this wouldn't be the first game to be built on the build engine. Witch Haven came out before it, and another game called William Shatner's Tech War.
1: Wait, <laughs> so there's a game adaptation of William Shatner's Tech War?
0: Yes, the one that Father Ted's reading in Father Ted.
1: I was just thinking that, actually. <laughs> Tech War of Father Ted's fame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only reason you'd recognise that name. Don't worry, neither game's getting on this podcast. They came out in 1995, but didn't have the impact of Duke Nukem 3D. You
1: mean... Millions of people didn't want to play an adaptation of William Shatner's Tech Wars? No. What? Why? How dare they?
0: Now, getting to the bottom of who made this game, the most notorious name associated with the Duke series is George Broussard.
1: Yes, I remember the name now.
0: Yes, he is the one of Odin's sleep fame from our first section.
1: Yes. I don't think he did a lot of sleeping designing this game, but for Duke Nukem Forever... Yeah, there were big, long breaks, as far as I know.
0: Yeah, with this, it seems to be quite highly collaborative. Mm. To put success on one person's name for this game seems a little unfair. What I've read online and seen in documentaries, the entire team was just lobbing in ideas and were building this all together.
1: Were all the people in that team men, by any chance?
0: Yeah, I think they all are.
1: Yeah, yeah, that checks out.
0: (laughs) I mean, Duke Creation is credited to George Bussard, Alan Blum III, Scott Miller, and Todd Logal. So you can imagine that putting credit on one name is a bit tricky with this franchise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pretty talented guys, yeah.
0: The one name I want to treat special, though, is Ken Silverman. This was the brain behind the build engine itself. A man whose work John Carmack said was extremely impressive.
1: If John Carmack is praising up your work to the nines, you have done a good job.
0: Absolutely. Ken was a genius of his time. Sadly, as will probably become a recurring theme in this episode, Ken got caught on an endless quest to make Build 2, an engine which has sadly since been abandoned. Oh. Build would be his life's work, but he does have to be remembered as one of the greatest programmers of his generation. Mm. With the step out of the mazes of doom and into a more familiar world, Another distinguishing feature this game included was giving the main character a voice, where FPS games usually featured silent protagonists, like in Doom. To let the player better project themselves into the character, 3D Realms wanted to give Duke more personality.
1: Which they definitely managed to do.
0: They hired voice actor John St John, a man whose name I had to check I didn't enter as a typo, and put these cool one liners in the game. No, cool with quotation marks.
1: Cool according to these fucking nerves. Am I right, guys?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass, bitch. When it comes to the music, they brought on Lee Jackson to make the soundtrack for this game. Lee had worked for Apogee in the past for some of the earlier games, including Rise of the Triad. Mm-hmm. To help Jackson, though, they brought on Doom's composer, Bobby Prince.
1: Hang on. Bobby Prince?
0: Yes, the guy who made the soundtrack for Doom is back doing the soundtrack for this game as well.
1: So they got two guys in there?
0: Yes, two working together. Huh. I know one thing you said about the music is that you felt it was a little derivative of Doom.
1: Yeah, I now know why.
0: Yes, it's made by the same composer.
1: You could tell he was kind of copying his own notes a little bit.
0: Yeah, because I hate to say it, but the music of Duke Nukem is nowhere near as memorable as the ones for Doom. It's all too mild and synthetic, the background music in this. mm it has decent bass and drum lines to it, but it doesn't really save the tunes.
1: Yeah. It does fit the vibe.
0: Yeah, there's nothing offensive to your ears. Better than the silence, sure.
1: But it doesn't make you go, oh my god, this is me.
0: Yeah, there's no dance of the sugar plum fairies of the <laughs> Doom soundtrack.
1: <laughs> it's good at what it does. It's very competent.
0: Yeah, it's just nothing will stick in my brain. In a month's time, you could play me any song from a Duke Nukem level and I probably wouldn't be able to identify which game it came from. It could be from any mediocre franchise of the mid-90s.
1: Which is a real shame considering the talent involved.
0: Yeah, nothing screams Duke Nukem about the soundtrack. With the exception, of course, of that fucking theme song.
1: Absolutely. I was just thinking that.
0: Yes, Grab Bag it's called. This is big dookie nookie energy.
1: Yeah. It really reminded me a lot of Animals by Nickelback. The soundtrack's more influenced by hard rock and hair metal and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which is not a bad thing. It's just very interesting that I hear Grab Bag and think, huh, so this is what Nickelback are trying to do.
0: Yeah. It does feel like a song that belongs in an 80s action movie. Yeah. Which, again absolutely fits the character.
1: Yeah, it's what it's going for.
0: So that is the one exception I could give for the music in this game. And it is probably the most famous song from this game.
1: Yeah, sorry guys. Actually, no, not sorry. I'm going to be going to town slating this game in a few minutes.
0: (laughs) Right. We can't put this off any longer, let's go through the playthrough. Yes. So the game is broken up into episodes, like Doom, also like Doom. Story is just something for pornos, Uh, I mean, games. Yes. So don't expect a lot of lore from this. Yeah. Before we do the playthrough, I was going to try and get you the backstory to this game, but I shit you not, there's nothing in the instruction manual about backstory.
1: I mean, I'm sure that the game explains itself.
0: So instead, I've sourced this backstory from the 3D Realms website. Yes, I've gotten desperate. (laughs) The third chapter in the series and the first with a 3D perspective. This game, set in the early 21st century, brings in a ravaged LA, which was taken over by aliens. While you're abducted during Duke Nukem 2, Duke, upon returning to Earth, finds himself with another mess to clean up, and another alien race that needs exterminating.
2: Exterminate!
0: Exterminate! (laughs) Duke is a can-do hero. He realises that sometimes innocent people have to die in order to save Earth.
1: Okay, that explains a few
0: things. So accuracy of gunfire is not a real concern to him.
1: Oh, God.
0: Smiley face, which I did not fucking add, by the way.
1: Uh, that sure is a commentary on Duke Nukem as a character. Accuracy of aim is not required.
0: It's okay to shoot civilians.
1: Oh, Jesus. Why? Is there the O.J. Simpson chase on a pub TV in the early 21st century?
0: Same reason we would have it on our TV in this decade. Someone's made a YouTube video on it.
1: 90s nostalgia! Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't mean any of that.
0: But the thing is, seeing the O.J. Chase, it was pop culture for a while. There was a reference to it in South Park. There was a bit where Wrestlemania used some of the footage to imply there was a car chase between two wrestlers. I kid you not, that happened at Wrestlemania 12, between Goldust and our good friend Roddy Roddy Piper. Ugh. Yes. Now, I have to say, that backstory still left me with a question that I've never had answered. What the hell is Duke Nukem's job? What is his job? So I dug further. And I found the following backstory on the back of a Juke Nukem PS1 memory card.
1: Jeez, oh you've been digging deep.
0: I had to source this from eBay pictures and of course I didn't buy the thing.
1: Yeah, sorry eBay seller.
0: This information is so fucking sketchy not even the Wikipedia will cite this. Oh, fuck. So take the following with a grain of salt. Juke Nukem. Alien butt kicker. Hero of every man. Dream of every woman.
1: Can you imagine that on your CV? <laughs>
0: when fighting aliens, he's the good and the bad, while well, they're just plain ugly, politically incorrect. Oh no. And letting nothing stand in his way. Juke is a man of action with scores of earth-saving adventures and an even better score with beautiful women. Ugh, gods. Duke trained and served for 12 years under General Philip Graves, head of EDF, Earth Defence Force, a special forces unit clouded in mystery. The General still helps Duke operate outside the system with inside government and military data. Among Duke's well-known missions include a battle against Dr. Proton and his army of tech bots, which was Duke Nukem 1. Alright, oh, okay. A battle against the Regelatin Empire who kidnapped Duke on their huge mothership and tried to brain drain his mind. <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> oh fuck! go, after That's okay. not
1: the only things we were trying to brain drain.
0: He kidnapped Duke on the huge mothership and tried to brain drain his mind to gain Duke's vast knowledge of Earth's military secrets and statistics. Fuck me, that's a long sentence.
1: <laughs> you were capable of short sentences. You managed it earlier.
0: To we use up all the full stops in the first line? <laughs> now that is the plot of Duke Nukem Two, I think. Duke has more recently battled with an alien invasion force in Los Angeles, and an alien time travel plan to wipe out Duke's ancestors and hence Duke in the process. When will alien scum learn not to mess with the king, baby? There
1: was time travel in this game?
0: No, that's one of the spin-off games that was on the PS1. Oh,
1: right. That was wild.
0: (laughs) That is the closest I can get to a backstory for Duke Nukem.
1: Duke's backstory sounds like he's lying. Did he really?
0: (laughs) Whoever designed this memory card was a girl he met in a bar.
1: (laughs) Who believed everything he said.
0: This is just so Barney Stinson energy. It's like right out of the playbook, the Duke Nukem.
1: (laughs) Bragging about being politically incorrect is uh, a bit of a red flag. Mm -hmm. I I can't.
0: I can't. (laughs) You must. (laughs) We haven't even started the game yet. All that is just to explain why when you start the very first level, it opens with Duke Nukem saying...
3: Damn, those alien bastards are going to pay for shooting
0: up my ride. Because they shot down his spaceship while coming back from Duke Nukem 2.
1: Hang on, Duke Nukem had a spaceship the whole time?
0: Well, he did, but he shot it down.
1: Alright, right, okay.
0: Which I think is probably the best time now to start talking about episode 1, LA Meltdown. We start off in the streets of LA for an episode that's only half as long as the others. This was the shareware section of the game, so they obviously didn't want to give away too much.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
0: The game has a leg up on Doom. For the levels being more thematic. For example, the very first level is that you start in a cinema where the aliens are watching the hit movie Attack of the Bleached Blonde Biker Bimbos.
1: Ah, yes. Creatures of good taste.
0: We have to assume was directed by Darren Aronofsky.
1: <laughs> I just had an image of Brendan Fraser playing all the bleached blonde biker bimbos. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past i working with a good actor again.
3: Mmm, <laughs> my kind of party. Wish I had time.
0: Now there's two main aliens we get at this stage of the game. These weird, tan-brown, lizard-faced monsters, which are the most basic enemy you'll encounter throughout the game with varying weaponry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the pig cops, kind of like how it sounds, cops with the face of a pig, that the aliens have turned the LAPD into monsters.
1: I wonder what that's a commentary of. Hmm.
0: All way too quick to shoot you with a shotgun. So, you know, cops. We start to build up our opening arsenal at this point too. You've got your pistol and the shotgun. you got two bread and butter weaponry, which are usually your defaults. Both work a lot like how they did in Doom, so there's not really much we can really say about them. Yeah. Same for the chain gun and the rocket launcher, which you do pick up in some of the earlier episodes as well. What's new with Duke Nukem is that we have a quick melee called the Mighty Boot, which is also a last resort when we're out of guns and can be used while carrying other guns.
1: Yeah, when you get like little blobby aliens later on in the game, the kick's really handy for that. When you're in a level that's full of those little bastards, you just hold Q and Duke will keep doing the can-can and putting them away.
0: Yeah, while you're walking, you're just can-canning around.
1: Yeah, he's just, like, just imagine him hopping around, doing the can-can while holding a gun and killing things.
0: Yeah, he was shooting something at the same time as kicking something else. So it's just a really quite efficient system.
1: Even when you're crouching and jumping. Mm-hmm. I mean, now that's badass.
0: It annoys me that a jumping kick doesn't do more damage. That's a diving kick, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did more damage in Street Fighter Mortal Kombat.
0: The only other weapon that's new to this game that wasn't in Doom was the pipe bombs. These are these throwable grenades that you could detonate with a remote.
1: Oh, they were really handy, yeah.
0: They were great for whenever you had to shoot something that was a bit too low for you to reach it properly.
1: Or for getting something ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Draining a good bit of its health before you approach them.
0: Yeah, they're quite versatile. There's a lot of smart ways to implement them. What's also unique to Duke Nukem is the items you can use. These are some of the following ones we found. We found steroids, but they made you move around even faster than the run did.
1: I don't think I took steroids very often in this game.
0: No, I think you were quite Olympian, obviously. You didn't rely on steroids to get you through. Uh, uh-uh. is like a decoy generator that you can take the heat off you in the throws a battle.
1: It kind of shows how stupid the aliens are for not realizing that that's a hologram when they've got holographic screens on their ship.
0: It's just very lifelike, what can I say? Yeah. You also get the portable health kit. Now, this is an item you definitely relied on a lot. Absolutely. It was really good. It's an item you can carry around at any time. You can just press the M button and you'll get your health back. That was one you got very familiar with. Mm-hmm. There's also things like the the night vision, which allows you to see in the dark, that you used very sparingly here and there. Yeah. Then there's automatic ones, like the boots and the scuba gear that just turn on without you doing anything.
1: Yeah, so the boots help you get through lethal floors. Mm-hmm like lava and toxic sludge Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and scuba gear, which, well, helps you scuba dive and go underwater. Yeah, yeah. Including sewage water at one point.
0: Yeah, which I assume that's like you have the boots to walk through it and then the scuba gear to breathe through it.
1: Yeah, ugh. I mean, I don't think that was one of the things he enjoyed much about massacring the aliens, but hey-ho.
0: Eat shit and die. But this at least gives you a few tools for your fight back against the aliens. Our second level has us blowing up the offices of Ed 3D. And we end up getting captured by the aliens at the end to then get us executed. Yeah. So level three starts, we've lost all our inventory and we're being electrocuted in our death chair.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that.
0: He just walks right out of it. We don't actually see him, like, get out of the trap or anything. We assume he's just done that when the level started.
1: Yeah, of course he's done that off screen. Either that or the aliens are so incompetent they didn't think he would escape from the chair.
0: And Duke Nukem's such a fucking idiot, he didn't think to try escaping until after they hit the switch.
1: Yeah.
0: We walk out of it and are caught in the alien base. And this is where you start seeing some of those female hostages.
1: Yes, right. You know how I said that part of Duke Nukem's arc was to save the babes and prove that you're badass Mm -hmm. by saving the babes? Mm -hmm. You don't get to save the babes.
0: No, you do not.
1: They're tied up in alien sinews or whatever. Sometimes they're sitting down and bound up. Sometimes they're hung upside down and bound up.
0: Either way, you can see their breasts, which I think is important.
1: Yeah, that was something they felt was very important to have in your victims of alien imprisonment and torture. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. But you don't get to rescue them.
0: No, you do not.
1: When I first interacted with one of the babes, the only thing she said to me was, Kill me. And you can either choose to kill her, like your fucking dignitas, (laughs) but worse. Or you leave her there to die slowly and painfully.
0: Yes, and if you shoot her, then usually it'll spawn in monsters.
1: Really? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I know you avoided it every chance you got.
1: I couldn't face killing the babes. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't hmm. do it. It was actually kind of disturbing because Duke Nukem does not react.
0: Yeah, he just no-sells the whole thing. It's just like, oh man, a woman bound up. Mighty boot, mighty boot, mighty boot, death.
1: Yeah, technology I'm sure was pretty limited in the early 21st century, but holodukes were a thing. There couldn't have been a babe teleport. You press E and the babe teleports out and says thanks. They couldn't have added that in, considering part of the point of the game is to save the babes.
0: Now, funny you should say that, because they added that into the Nintendo 64 port Of Duke Nukem 64.
1: None of the fuckers at 3D Realms thought, hmm, there's something missing here. I can't quite think what. Oh well, we'll ship it out. I think we've got enough of Duke Nukem's quips in there. Plenty of guns, plenty of hot babes and crazy aliens. Yeah, I think we're good to go.
0: I imagine the day when they had to find out, those motherfuckers at Nintendo, what? They won't let us have women in our game that we don't have to save. (laughs) Those bastards are going to make us save the girls? They're fucking tyrants.
1: I would have got the vibe that it's like, huh, wish we'd thought of that.
0: That's the thing though, right? They put it in Duke Nukem 64, but they didn't put it in any of the re-releases of Duke Nukem 3D.
1: Which I think is kind of disturbing, actually. They've had 20 years.
0: Exactly. They have the choice to fix that and they're choosing not to. They are actively choosing, Don't we prefer it if you just leave them there. That's our original vision, and we'd rather we honour our original vision.
1: Like, for fuck's sake, if you're going to objectify women, do it right!
0: Yeah, in the modern era, we want trophies, and you can give us a trophy for saving the babes. It is easy to put that into the game, you've already built the mechanics when you made Duke Nukem 64. Save the babes, and then you have a cutscene at the end of the game where you have all the babes on image and Duke's arm around them going, yeah, I get laid, or some fucking dumb stuff like that.
1: Yeah, maybe you get like a little thing in the credits where you get pictures of all the babes you've saved, or you've got a little scrapbook that you can look back on and go, yes, these are the babes that I've saved, I'm super proud of myself. Maybe your ending could be influenced by how many babes you save. Maybe they give you, like, certain kinds of babes can give you different bonuses to your stats or add to a high score. But genuinely, they put women in the game and didn't know what to do with them. It almost says something, doesn't it?
0: As we said in our intro, there's like two different flavours. In the same level, you'll find hookers in a strip bar who you could go up to, put money in their chest and go, Shake it, baby. And then later in that level, you're going to see some women bound up and praying for death. Yeah, a bit of a tonal shift. A wee bit, yeah.
1: And it's just disturbing. They thought that that would be a good idea, to not save the babes in your video game about saving the babes.
0: But then they said it on the website. Duke Nukem is not expected to respect the humanity of people. He can shoot friendly fire all he wants. He's Duke Nukem. He answers to nobody.
1: He's politically incorrect. But
0: yeah, it is. It was tasteless then, and it's tasteless now.
1: It's arguably more tasteless now in some ways.
0: That was a bad idea at the time. It was such a bad idea that Nintendo said, you can't have that. So clearly somebody in the gaming industry saw the flaw in that system at some point.
1: And making them all like scantily clad and like bondaged up kinky-like. It's like, okay, cool.
0: But this is the thing that does have me scratching my head. The girls that get their tits out in the second level That's there for titillation. It's to get you a little horny while you're playing the game. Okay. What's the point of the girls screaming for death? Like, who's getting off to that? Who is that for?
1: Yeah. Might sit a bit better if you get to rescue them.
0: If they were there and they saved them, understandable. But at what point did they go, yeah, we'll have these naked women in there, but they're all bound by the sinew and they're praying for death. Oh yeah, that'll be so hot.
1: Say what you want about Double Dragon, but at least he fucking saved the person mm-hmm. as objectified as she was. You're going to make a horny game for big boys, you know, just go all in. Just go all in. That's what I'm talking about when there's something missing to this game. Mm-hmm. And it's how little the women affect this narrative. And I know it's not just me being like a feminist or anything. It's just, if the babes hadn't have been there in the way that they were there, I wouldn't have had a problem with this game.
0: We're going to have to move on with this game, but we'll just let that thought hang over all these other levels we cover. Yes. We get to the end of this episode and we fight the boss battle against the Battle Lord. This ugly looking thing with a big rocket launching chain gun. Mm. He did spook you a lot at first.
1: Yeah, he did.
0: You had to redo your strafe training from Doom before we could actually go back and fight him.
1: To be fair, a lot of the bosses in Doom really spooked me. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of going in like, oh god, oh god! It's another boss. It's just like Doom. It took me a while, but it's always the first boss I felt was the hardest in the game. After that, I was used to it. And I don't know. I think that's more saying something about how I've improved as a video game player. But at the same time, once you get used to the strafing, the bosses were fairly easy, especially considering the rocket launcher locks onto a target.
0: As soon as you launch, the rocket will keep going while you're strafing around it. Yeah. And you don't have it yet, but you will get some better guns later, which make just volleying explosives very easy. Yeah. Although one thing this game does have that does make it a lot easier than Doom, there's something they put in the Megaton edition. Every time you die, you get a rewind tool where you can rewind it to any point in the level from before you died. And you'll restart the level at that point. You can set your own checkpoints.
1: It's such a handy feature.
0: It is. It's a nice feature for people to get their thumbs during this game. Mm-hmm. You're not bound by checkpoints. You're not bound by auto saves or manual saves. You just rewind it back to the point you want it at.
1: Yeah, if you die, you can go back a few seconds or a minute or like a few minutes, depending on what you need to do. Hmm. So if you need to get back some health after you've died, then you go back further, which is pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's a very handy feature. And it is something I didn't object to you using at any point in this game.
1: I mean, it's added for a reason. Mm -hmm. That was a good shout on 3D Realms part.
0: With enough tries, and enough rocket launchers, you eventually did defeat him. hmm He closes out the fight with the question... Who the hell are you? To which Duke responds with...
3: I'm Duke Nukem, and I'm coming to get the rest of you alien bastards.
0: Here's we get our first actual lore dump of the game. Good God, it's taken him long enough to give us any kind of in-game story. After wiping the blood and brains from his boots. Duke explored the alien ship. Monitors showed a titanic alien ship hovering above Earth, with dozens of smaller ships offloading green cocoon-like pods. One showed them close up. They all held women still alive, just like the ones Duke encountered. Duke glowered in the pale green monitor light and set the auto-destruct sequence on the alien ship. He stared at the screen. Once again.
1: More opportunities that have been missed. I see a whole bunch of women who are trapped against their will. Still alive. Auto-destruct. That's his first instinct. Could be an interesting way that he could have explored this. A real dilemma.
0: They died for a noble cause. My inability. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I just getting images on my head of Zach Panigan?
1: Oh yeah, I think that's his super ego.
0: Yeah, he is just this guy who thinks he is a William Shatner, and then all he is, is actually a Shat-Wilner. Got him! On to episode 2, Lunar Apocalypse, where we've now gotten a spaceship and gone up into space, and we're going to bring the fight to the aliens directly on their spaceship. I think we took a NASA shuttle to get here, as there is one outside from where we landed. Like all other lore in this game, it's not told how Duke got here, but however he got here, he's just here to kill aliens.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the focus of the game.
0: So, the roster of enemies evolves at the site. We're no longer seeing the pig cops, but they've been replaced with the enforcers. These walking raptors, in armour and have a big gun for an arm. I'm guessing this is what Barrett got the idea to replace his hand with in Final Fantasy VII.
1: Taking inspiration from the weird lizard people
0: in the moon. Yeah, sounds like a good place. We also start fighting the sentry drones, sort of like Lost Souls from Doom. These robots which charge you to explode in your face.
1: Oh, yeah, those things. Oh, they were horrendous.
0: And we also get the assault commanders. These big-bellied aliens that ride around on UFOs.
1: They're probably the most formidable enemy in the game, actually.
0: They're not too hard to deal with once you're used to them.
1: Yeah, but, like, I found them pretty difficult at first.
0: Yeah, they've got a really weird thing, though. They always keep saying, Suck it down. Ugh. Don't know why they keep saying that. Thankfully, to help us fight these monsters, we start expanding our arsenal of weapons. All these guns unique to Duke Nukem compared to Doom. Yeah, yeah. The laser trip bombs, which we had found in a few episodes already set.
1: You put one on the wall and it makes a big laser line across to the other side of the wall. Mm -hmm. And if you step through it or an alien steps through it, they die.
0: Yeah, it's a trip mine. Yeah, yeah. Something use to booby trap a room. I would say it's less versatile than the pipe bomb. Mm -hmm. They're not my first choice. The three guns I think you got more useful out of. We have the Shrinker.
1: Shrinks down the enemy and then you can stamp on them.
0: Yes, it takes like a second or two to fire. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit on the slow side. But once they are shrank, you can just run up to them really quick and stamp on them. Otherwise, they'll go back to their normal size.
1: Oh, yeah, that was very cathartic, actually. Especially for really intimidating enemies. Just being able to squish them under your boot.
0: Mm-hmm. We get the Freeze Thrower.
1: Where you can freeze the enemy solid and then kick them and they shatter.
0: It's a bit more rapid fire, this one. It just fires a solid stream of these freeze balls that when the enemy gets hit with them enough time, they'll freeze and you just, like I said, automatically kick them with the mighty boot.
1: Yeah, they've really figured out a whole bunch of elaborate ways to kill these aliens.
0: Now, the one that I think is most useful, though, is the Devastator.
1: It's like a big machine gun rocket launcher.
0: Yeah, it just kind of like fires a barrage of little explosions. Mm -hmm. Each single explosion is less powerful than the rocket launcher, but it's the volume it throws out. There are some bosses which get absolutely mangled to this thing.
1: But they also run out really fast. Mm-hmm. That's the issue with the Devastators.
0: There's also one last item that we find in the second episode. I think it's in the first episode. We just didn't find it. Of the jetpack.
1: Yeah, the jetpack. Oh, that was fun.
0: Absolutely wrecks this game.
1: Mm, but it's very limited and you can't find it very often.
0: Yeah, what the jetpack does is that you can go anywhere on the level. you press got spacebar to go up and control to go down.
1: Yeah, because if you get too much of that, you can just literally fly through the level without getting anything.
0: Yeah, it depletes fast, but if you use it sparingly, it can be used to exploit this game to an inch of its life.
1: But then you had to remind me at points to switch off the jetpack because I completely forgot that I switched it on. Mm -hmm. You can kind of see yourself levitating, but not really. It's not quite the same. Like a third person perspective, it would be more apparent, Mm -hmm. but still pretty good.
0: Still a very useful tool. Now when it comes to movie references, I think it was the second episode we saw your first big major one that you recognised. We come to this dark room where the only light is some rectangular rock. As we get around it we see that the rock is a big black rectangular cuboid that looks like the monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey.
1: I remember thinking that was quite cool actually.
0: Yeah the, quite nice although the noise it makes is awful.
1: Oh I hated the noise it made. Sometimes with my autism I find noise is painful mm-hmm. and that was a really painful noise.
0: The end of this episode has another boss fight, this time against the Overlord, who fired a barrage of rockets at you.
1: Oh, that was a really horrendous one.
0: Thankfully, you could just strafe and win the fight, because the rockets aren't good as long as you're moving side to side. You had less of a struggle fighting this than you did the boss from the end of episode one. You did beat it within 10 minutes of this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I'd gotten a bit better at strafing at that point. I still was like, you know, throughout that.
0: Now, I think you want to talk about what happens at the end of this episode, though.
1: Mm, So... Before he fights this boss, he says,
3: I'll rip your head off and shit down your
0: neck. Mm -hmm.
1: Alright, okay, sure, Duke, whatever. You're not actually going to do that,
0: right? We get to the end of the fight, and in a cutscene, we see Duke Nukem rip the head off this monster, pulls down his trousers, squats down, and while you don't actually see him doing anything, we can only assume the worst.
1: He reads a newspaper while sitting on the fucking neck.
0: While whistling the grab bag theme.
1: Sweet God. I hated that. I really, really hated that. Because with Doom, there was a certain catharsis in, oh my God, I've killed this enemy. Okay, it was a bit brutal. I survived this. That's the vibe throughout the whole of Doom, even during the boss fights. And it's that what gave me the rush when I was playing it and made me question who I was as a person. But clearly I have not changed that much because that was too far. He seemed to just enjoy it a bit too much. Imagine if like you'd heard someone who'd fought aliens in real life, you know, as you do. Or like a human, right? You end up killing someone who attacks you and then you rip their head off and shut down their throat. It's horrible. You'd be absolutely shocked and appalled. But it's an alien, so it's fine.
0: Not even in real life, though. Like, imagine the action movie, right? You've got Arnie swinging the massive gun and he gives the verbal backlash of I'm going to fuck your heart. He wins the fight, takes the guy, and then after the big epic fight scene of the movie, he then has a scene where he opens their chest, takes the heart, and then starts having sex with it. It'd be a weird scene.
1: Yeah, you probably wouldn't think very highly of Arnold Schwarzenegger after that.
0: You wouldn't think highly of people who made that movie after that. No one's going to go watch Heartfucker ever again.
1: <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I mean, the boys at 3D Realms probably thought it would be really, really funny. And there's probably a whole bunch of people at the time that were like, Oh, shit. Oh, shit. But, like, I'm looking back at this, you know, as someone who was... Uh, uh, my patience was already waiting thin because you couldn't save the babes, right? And then you get this. Uh, I mean, even if it was in a game I really, really enjoying, had nothing bad to say about it, and there's that scene, it would ruin the game completely for me.
0: Yeah, it is just so juvenile at the point where he is just desecrating a corpse. Yeah. It's purely for Duke's own amusement that he's doing this.
1: This man gets amusement from desecrating a corpse. I think they added it to the story because they thought it'd be really funny. For us, it really backfired and we were really taken aback.
0: So help me, Duke. Now, we get another Lord Dump.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no pun intended.
0: Duke cracked his knuckles and smirked. I need a stiff drink, a shower, and a soft skin belly to lie my head on. Gods. A near monitor flickered on, and an incredibly ugly face spoke with the ominous message, I need a sti- no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was looking into matter.
0: The Moon Assault Overlord has been defeated, as was our battle lord on Earth. But while Juke Nukem has been distracted, our main attack wave has begun its final assault on Earth. We shall obliterate all resistance. Guess again, freak show, Juke growled. Juke's coming back to town. And the last thing that's going to go through your mind before you die is my size 13 boot. Of course he mentions his fucking shoe size. And you know what man saying about men with big feet? the horrible misogynist and shouldn't have a game.
1: <laughs> what I can't get over, right, is that the aliens knew... That if their overlord was defeated, that Juknukum would shit down his neck.
0: He didn't know that. He didn't say that.
1: But while he was no, while he was distracted, they went in for a stealth attack on Earth. While Juk was distracted,
0: yeah, doing the whole stuff up in space. It wasn't like he took like a three-hour shit or anything.
1: We don't know that.
0: <laughs> I'm just straighting a muffin out there. <laughs>
1: How much of that newspaper did he read? And where did he get that newspaper from? These are the pertinent questions, Sandro.
0: I think they're in an alien spaceship where only awful happens, so I just assume he's reading the sun.
1: Hey.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, this is where we enter the third episode and the final episode of the original release. Episode 3 Shrapnel City. This episode sees us return back to Earth to fight the alien invasion of. Now that we've destroyed the incoming threats above. There's no new monsters or weapons this episode. Apart from that the, the assault troopers are now going to have assault commanders that can teleport. But that's the only kind of new monsters you get in this whole thing.
1: I didn't even notice.
0: But at this point it is just about going back to Earth to these familiar locations and finishing this game. Or it should have been.
1: Should have been. Mm-hmm. This is the point where I noped out of this game.
0: Why? What happened?
1: A lot of things were really grinding my gears. As you can probably tell by how I've talked about this game so far. One of the buildings in the game is a sushi restaurant. There's like the geishas with tits out and like little booths for the tables. And I think there might be a film in there. I don't quite remember. But there is a secret door into a section overrun by aliens. At the doorway is some alien eggs a detonator and a hot babe. She's a hostage and she is in danger. It's a difficult situation, right? A real dilemma. Something that if you fail should have consequences. What I tried to do was shoot the egg while avoiding the detonator as best I could. And then the detonator set off anyway, killing the babe and unleashing a whole bunch of monsters. There was no consequences for leaving that babe. Because of the way this game is, it doesn't matter whether the babes live or die, I just noped out. I couldn't do it anymore. The gameplay was getting quite repetitive at this point anyway, but if it wasn't, it was just one thing too many that just it got to me.
0: And this was beyond our tap out point. So for the very first time in this podcast, Jen has invoked her right to quit a game.
3: Game over. You guys suck. Okay,
0: now this is putting the podcast into quite uncharted territories. We've never had a rage quit on the show before. The closest we came was Sonic, and that was on the penultimate boss. I think you pushed through in that regard.
1: With Sonic, up until now, it was the game that I liked least out of everything we've covered. Because I struggle with the platform, and it was incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I could never say it's a bad game, because overall, it does a really good job. I liked Sonic and Tails. I can appreciate it for what it is even if I had a hard time with it. This is the first game where I found this gameplay pretty easy. The difficulty wasn't the problem. I genuinely didn't like this game. This is the first game I think I've ever played where I felt like my time was being wasted. It is a new feeling to me because, I mean, sure we're gonna get an episode out of it, but if it wasn't for that that acute feeling of having what remains of my life wasted in a game I don't like, I would have been a lot, lot angrier Mm -hmm. than what
0: I am. Right. So I had the decision that just for the sake of posterity, I would finish the game and bring any highlights to Jen's attention. So the only two things I found I wanted to show you was the fifth and sixth levels were a little interesting because the fifth one happens on the set of a movie studio where they're filming a movie called Lunar Apocalypse, which was the name of the second episode.
1: I mean, of course they let this sociopath into Hollywood.
0: Yeah, it just this. Level fascinates me. It's this idea that Duke Nukem must clearly be an actor as well. I'm not sure what's going on there.
1: They cast talentless people in movies all the time.
0: True, true. But that will come up in Duke Nukem Forever, by the way.
1: Yeah, which we are not playing.
0: No, we are not. I also showed you how the next episode was based around a subway system.
1: Yeah, that was quite... I mean, the gameplay was fine for these levels, but a bit bland.
0: It was just interesting to have a shooter that takes place in an area that can be quite visually familiar in a subway.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand why you picked them out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I was so done with the game that I was not inclined to praise it very much.
0: And of course, I had you do the final boss fight against the Cycloid Emperor.
1: Which was too easy.
0: Yeah, I went through the entire previous levels... Which I do have to point out, the penultimate level is called Hotel Hell.
1: (laughs) Oh, I was going to do the where's the lamb sauce one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I went through those levels and made sure to preserve a lot of the more explosive ammo for this final fight, just so you could finish this on the easiest difficulty I could. The fight's against this giant armored cyclops with a machine gun.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was all a bit of a blur to me considering I won the fight so fast. It was just an elevator up, strafing, devastating on a football field. I was too busy killing the fucker to notice that on the football field were cheerleaders that could have very easily been killed by me. And they're just dancing around like there's no tomorrow because if they were in my line of fire, there wouldn't be. Why did they put cheerleaders in the line of fire? It has been well established at this point that they don't care who lives and who dies. Mm. So, I mean, have some hot girls dancing at the end of the game. We've got to have some hot girls dancing at the end of the game. We've got to put them somewhere, I know, in a football field at the final boss where they can get rocket launchered at any time.
0: Now, because I went to the effort of making sure that you had full ammo, full armor, and full health, you did take them out in seconds.
1: Yeah, if I had a good bit less than that, the fight probably would have been a lot more challenging. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was too easy for me at that moment in time.
0: Now at the end of the fight, Duke then lines himself up. looks like about to go for round two and his number twos. Ugh. Thankfully, he keeps his trousers on this time. And instead, he positions himself correctly and kicks the head of the monster, knocking a single eyeball out and through the uprights for a field goal.
1: I mean, it's less tasteless than shitting down its neck.
0: True. This is a lot more action movie silly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Still made me a bit
0: uncomfortable. But it was what he said at the end of the second episode was, the last thing that will go through your head is my size 13 boot. He Mm. called his shot.
1: He sure delivers on what he says, but why did he have to say it?
0: Because he already envisioned that this game would end on a stadium where he'd get to give a field goal.
1: Yeah. I can just imagine then the game finishes on, oh, yeah, my dad works for Microsoft. <laughs> and everybody
0: clapped. No, what the game actually ends on is the sound effect of Duke getting a lady finally.
3: My name's Duke Newcomb. After a few days of R&R, I'll be ready for more action.
2: Aw, back. To bed,
1: do? I'm ready for some action? No,
0: I assume this is him losing his virginity.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it feels completely unearned, but then okay. let's face it, you get a lot of powerful men who haven't earned it but get it anyway. I got a look at the opening and closing cutscenes from the fourth episode, and it was at that point I decided I do not need to see any more of this game. Yeah, we're not going to go into it. I would rather pretend the game ended in the third
0: episode. Yep, that's fine with me.
1: As God intended.
0: The only thing I've about the fourth episode, though, is that it does give us the credit sequence. And it does end on the line, thanks to all our fans for giving us big heads. Look for a Duke Nukem 3D sequel soon.
1: <laughs> big heads?
0: Eech. That's bad enough, but about that sequel? You know what, let's just move into the aftermath and talk about it there.
1: Yeah, good shout.
0: Hehehe <laughs> What a mess. Now you've had a nasty time with this game.
1: Horrendous. Well not horrendous, but shite.
0: Unfortunately it's a bad sign of humanity. That doesn't reflect the rest of the gaming population's time.
1: Yeah, I gathered.
0: This game put the build engine on the map for a little while at least.
1: The build engine's pretty good, so I can understand why a game would do well on it. It's
0: just a shame it had to be Juknikum. I know, but this was the last of the big two point five E engines. Mm-hmm. Because when you got to things like Quake and Unreal, they gave you 3D models. It wasn't 2D sprites anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. It built on what the build engine did and did it better.
0: Yes. So the build engine's time was deeply numbered. As much as Duke wasn't afraid of no Quake, the Quake engine was coming to kick its ass.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, karma? Well, not karma for that poor Ken guy, but for Duke.
0: Yeah, karma's the right term, because when it came round to that Duke sequel... Getting another pun name of Duke Nukem Forever. Forever.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool.
0: And also a reference to Batman Forever.
1: Which apparently was already three years out of date.
0: So that game was due to come out in 1998. Sadly, there was a slight delay, but after a small wait, it came out in 2011.
1: How many years?
0: That's a 13-year delay.
1: Bit of a cock tease, that.
0: Yes, and the game came down to a problem with engines. The game's development is an absolute train wreck.
1: A train wrecking engines? What are we on? A Thomas the Tank Engine episode?
0: Hey, hey. Without having their own engine to use, 3D Realms had to choose, right? Do I choose the Quake engine?
1: Choo
2: choose. <laughs> I'm so pleased! I'm so happy! To... <laughs> I'm a genius!
0: <laughs> Will you choo choo choose me? They had to choose between using the Quake engine or the Unreal engine. They thought about it and went, fuck it, all of them. 3D Realms went through nearly every major engine all those 13 years. Jesus. On numerous occasions, having the whole game design thrown out to make way for a new engine, George Broussard burned many bridges in constantly delaying the game. Yes. And yes, in this occasion, it seems Broussard is solely to blame. A poor look for a game with the initials of DNF, which, if you're a racing fan, is known as Did Not Finish.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it did finish eventually.
0: Yeah, it did eventually come out in 2011, after Gearbox went in and went, please stop making this.
1: Please. Like one of those women in Duke Nukem.
0: Kill, Kill me. <laughs> the game came out to absolute applause of Slow Claps. It was an awful game. It's, it's not fun. It acts with bigger trousers than he thinks it has. It takes pot shots at games that are infinitely better than it.
1: And probably no longer relevant either. Some of
0: them definitely weren't, no.
1: I mean, considering it took 13 years to make the game, imagine being on that dev team. Imagine how your patience would be freed. That Sisyphean effort. You've just managed to get your level or several levels done. You've made so much progress and you're feeling great. Taking a celebratory sip of beer or whatever their tipple of choice is, and then George comes along and goes, "No, I want it in that engine now. Oh, I-, I want this. I want that." And you're sitting there like, "But my, I did my level. I did everything you asked me to. But I want that engine, George. I've got to do this all over again. What
0: are you doing?" Yeah, the game feels deeply disjointed. Exactly like that. Duke Nukem Forever killed the franchise.
1: I don't think it just killed it. It ripped off its head and shut down its neck.
0: Quite rightly so. (laughs) There have been small attempts to resuscitate the brand here and there. This anniversary edition we played, they rebuilt a fifth episode from the original build engine and even brought back John St. John to make new voice lines.
1: Oh, cool.
0: I have played it and it feels quite honest to the original game and I'll say that much. First episode does have you going through a drug trip in Amsterdam
1: certainly makes for a change. Don't tell me it's in the Red Light District, doesn't it?
0: What do you think, Jen?
1: It's in the Red Light District. I mean, don't get me wrong, Amsterdam's a lovely city, but like, Jesus Christ, Duke. Like,
0: get a personality, Duke, that doesn't revolve around porn. There are regular rumours with plans to bring Duke Nukem back. Quite recently, a build of Duke Nukem Forever from 2001 just leaked online. And there's fans who are talking about rebuilding the game from what's in the leak. So maybe that gets released as an official game, maybe it doesn't. We don't know. It doesn't seem like anyone has any plans for the Duke Nukem franchise right now.
1: Yeah, nothing official anyway.
0: Apart from constant rumours about them doing a Duke Nukem movie. Oh no. It's been rumoured in the works for the past like four or five years. Last I heard it was going to be starring John Cena to play Duke Nukem.
1: Man, really stretching the likeability and general appeal of John Cena.
0: Feel free to write in listeners and tell me who should play the ever important girl who gets blown up instead of saved by Duke.
1: Maybe they actually retcon that. If you're going to add something like that to the 21st century, one of the key problems is how women are treated. George Broussard was just kicked down the door like,
0: no, there's not enough violence against women. I need my female violence. <laughs> George Broussard could go fuck himself, considering what he did to Duke Nukem forever. Just give him
1: the merch rights and shoo him away.
0: <laughs> I'm not crying over this. Now that we've had a good moment to laugh at Duke's failures... Do you have any final analysis about this game to talk about?
1: Yeah, I've been taking some time to think over what it is about Duke Nukem that just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. He's framed as a hero because he's a parody of the 80s action hero, but it doesn't work for me as a hero at all.
0: Okay, explain your thinking of
1: that one. One of them is he doesn't really go through much of a hero's journey.
0: Not really, no.
1: I mean, it's not necessary to every single hero that you get. You get a whole bunch of these military films where the protagonists start off as, like, amazing super soldier boys who can fight well. And Duke Nukem is supposed to be one of those.
0: Yeah, there's no skills he's going to learn throughout this game. He's barely toilet trained. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Shit happens.
1: For me, as someone who doesn't know who Duke Nukem is, really, Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see him go through more of a hero's journey. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what kind of annoys me a bit. With characters in general in a story, they should grow and change as people as the story goes on. Mm -hmm. Even if they start off as expert fighters... With all the skills that some heroes would get at the end of their story, they still have to go through stuff. We like to see people grow and change as the plot happens to them, how the conflict affects them, how they interact with other characters. You expect them to come out the other side at least somewhat different. Frodo and Samwise didn't come back to the Shire, the same hobbits they were before they left.
0: Absolutely not. That's what that ending is, is realising that they are forever changed.
1: Yeah. It's annoying when you get a story where the person's exactly the same as they were at the start because, well, what was the point in me going through that? Even if he doesn't go through the hero's journey, you can still display traits of heroism. Mm -hmm. For me, a hero is someone who cares about other people.
0: Which is not really Duke, now.
1: No. Like, Superman has a love for the Earth and its people. Mm -hmm. Batman cares about Gotham and its people. There's a sense of empathy and the need to do the moral good for your fellow man. They should also feel bad when their mistakes adversely affect other people, especially innocent people who you are supposed to try and save.
0: Mm, Yeah, that doesn't really apply to Duke.
1: Yeah, as we've talked about before Mm -hmm. there are moments in other stories and i'm sure you'll be able to think of a few at home where there's the low point where something goes wrong or all their friends leave or something like that it's all really sad and the hero has to try and make amends for it
0: yeah i do believe it's called the The all is lost moment moment. the all is lost moment Mm -hmm.
1: duke doesn't really have that because he doesn't have any friends
0: he has general graves i think
1: Yeah, but, like, where is he for most of the game?
0: I think the intro of the fourth episode is the only part you see him, and even then he is just generic army guy.
1: So the fourth episode is a bonus thing, and I don't know what the dynamic between General Nuisance and Duke Nukem is. (laughs) It helps with a hero or a protagonist in general to have other characters to interact with and go with them on their journey. There's no, like, mentor-mentee dynamic or, like, a friend or colleague like Spock and Kirk. They have, like, different qualities that work together.
0: That's what I would think, though, then. With Duke's one-liners, he is saying it to you, the player. So then wouldn't that then make you the apprentice to the master of Duke? You are also playing as Duke Nicum, though. But Duke has his own thoughts and feelings on things.
1: I never thought of it like that. If I'm supposed to be sidekick and I don't like him, that's kind of a bit of an awkward moment.
0: True, admittedly. That doesn't really work as well when you think that he says cool things and he kills aliens are the only thing that makes him quote-unquote likeable.
1: Yeah, killing the aliens in this game is positioned as the morally good thing to do. Mm -hmm. If I was Duke Nukem's sidekick, as you're posing, my whole experience with him would be the low point where I say, Duke, what are you doing? Look at what you've become. You didn't save the babes. Then I go off in a half, or he goes off in a half, and then me decides. Yes, I think I'm going to save the babes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to save them. You're right, Jen. We should do this. And I'm sorry that I was wrong. But because obviously, thankfully, I don't exist in that world. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. And even then, he's probably the kind of person that he would just ignore me anyway. Even if I was able to interact with him. But yeah, like you don't have to have all of these things to be a hero character or a good protagonist. You get plenty of protagonists who are not good people. Mm-hmm. You get anti-heroes. They're not particularly heroic. They're not particularly nice or kind people who care about other people. They do heroic things, but without the same morality or altruism that drives most heroes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know with a lot of these anti-heroes, though, there's like an inner struggle... Even if they deny it at the start, they still have to face. They have to unravel all of that, Mm -hmm. usually. I mean, Duke like, he doesn't do these heroic things and killing aliens because he wants to help people. He does it because he likes killing things and he looks good and he gets a bunch of glory from it. Antiheroes are framed as... Flawed people who either need to redeem themselves or have a sense of tragedy in their character arcs.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing flawed about Duke Nukem.
1: Yeah, and he can't even be a sympathetic villain either. The massacring spaceships full of aliens is the right thing to do morally in this game. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to consider him a villain.
0: Oh, absolutely not. No.
1: A lot of people will argue that, well, he's just a parody of an action hero, He's not supposed to follow these conventions. All those things that make a hero a hero, fuck those. We're not regarding them because it's funny. They disregard the conventions of being a hero and heroism by making him an arrogant, selfish, violent dickhead who likes killing things and receiving praise and sex. Mm. Because it's funny. I took a cursory glance at the previous two games and those traits actually came across a lot better it was much better signposted. In what can very loosely be described as a hero's journey, his call to action and reluctance in the first game is being forced to save everyone, but being annoyed that he's been interrupted from watching TV. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty funny. In the second one, he's abducted by aliens while on Oprah, promoting his memoir, Why I'm So Great. I think he becomes a celebrity after the first game by saving the world from Dr. Prolapse, whatever the
0: fuck he's called.
1: <laughs> Promoting his memoir saying, Why I'm So Great, is so funny.
0: It's such a Rimmer move.
1: It is, isn't it? <laughs> I just. I like that. I like that about him.
0: Yeah, but if you take a character like Rimmer or Richie from Bottom, mm. they say, Why Am I So Great? because you know that they are not.
1: Yeah. And the thing is with Duke Nukem is that you don't have that, oh yeah, right, sure. Yeah, you're supposed to just believe it wholesale. And I can understand why. So in the first two games, it's very, very straightforward and simplistic. There is not much story at all. It's serviceable in a half-decent framework. In saying that, I find it very interesting that in the Duke Nukem wiki, the fan-made Wikipedia page... The actual storyline of Duke Nukem 3D is placed near the bottom and says, I quote, Though sparse, the plot revolves around an alien invasion of Earth sometime in the early 21st century. If even the fan wiki is struggling to describe what actually happens in your game plot-wise, that's a bad, bad sign.
0: But this is not Final Fantasy where the mechanics are there to deliver an interesting story. That story is there to deliver mechanics.
1: Sandro, it's a terrible framework. They've had a half-decent framework before. I'm not asking for much. I'm really not. Duke doesn't need to be a complex character. It's also not funny because they were so busy trying to make him look cool that they forgot that he's basically just a glorified wrestling heel.
0: Mm, a wrestling heel's there to make you annoyed he's not there to annoy you
1: the thing is with a wrestling heel is that you can find a wrestling heel likable and funny as well Mm -hmm. one of my favorite wrestlers is maxwell jacob friedman who is a diabolical arsehole truly machiavellian shit and grin fuck boy right Mm -hmm. you're supposed to hate him i still like him i think he's funny i think he's great But I also kind of want to seize downfall a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was a very prolific wrestling heel called Gorgeous George Mm -hmm. in the 50s. And he said to a young Muhammad Ali, a lot of people will pay to see someone shut your mouth. And I wished that I could have paid
0: to shut Duke Nukem's mouth. You know what he actually reminds me of? What? In wrestling, John Cena.
1: Right, explain.
0: 2006. All the big names of yesteryear have all left by this point. The Rock's gone, Stone Cold's gone. And the WWE was like, right, we need our next big stars of tomorrow. One of the people they picked was John Cena. And they were like, right, John Cena's going to be the coolest character. He's going to cut down everybody. He's going to win all the time. And they did that. They gave him all the funny one-liners. If you ever hear the term, lol, Cena wins. This is that era.
1: Oh, right. I see where you're going with this.
0: And the fans fucking hated it. You no, know, the younger fans got into it, but the older fans were like, we're bored of this, we want something new, and they weren't being given anything new.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Duke Newcomb reminds me so much of Super Cena. Yeah. He's got all the funny one-liners and he wins all the time and isn't he looking great? And I do think that our fans of this game that go, yeah, he's so cool, because they're not looking for anything further than that.
1: I think your John Cena comparison works really well because the boys at 3D Realms are trying to push John Cena onto me. Except, I don't know, I think John Cena is less of a dick. Duke Nukem probably wouldn't be, like, talking to a bunch of sick kids. He would not bother with that.
0: You are right to point out all these flaws. I would always default on the idea that we are still very firmly in John Carmack country of the story doesn't matter. Why are we shooting things? Because there's aliens that need shot.
1: So you're saying that Duke Nukem is the video game equivalent of Troy the Gardener flopping his great big bobby
0: all over the place? Yeah, exactly. No one needs to know what type of flowers that he likes. There's a gardener that's showing up, and he's found the horny housewife.
1: In that case, why is it considered a classic of video games?
0: For those mechanics.
1: It's Doom, but you can look up. I was rooting for Doom Guy. I was hoping that he'd get out of that situation because. He is a bit of an underdog. He's in a space that he is not comfortable in and he doesn't relish killing anything. Okay, I'm being reductive, but I'm sorry. I can't excuse it. They're moving from the platformer to a first-person shooter into an ambitious new engine. And they spent so much time thinking about, like, Duke Nukem's movie lines and shooting aliens that they forgot to put in a half-decent framework to string it all together. I'm not asking for fucking heavy rain or anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Duke Nukem's arc in this is literally going from not getting pussy right now to getting pussy right now. I can understand why it was popular. Mm-hmm we're just wanting a bit of mindless violence and that's all they wanted in their video games. That's fine. I can understand that. And you know, Duke Nukem saying all the fun quips is like a bit of a meme, right? You and your friends would be quoting it to each other and laughing about it.
0: True, and if nothing else, I think we can definitely agree that Duke Nukem is a meme.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a meme that I don't find particularly funny for some very disturbing implications that are put forward unintentionally, I'll argue, but still... It was very poorly signposted for me. I didn't get the joke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are plenty of male heroes that go into their narrative and everyone thinking they're great and all that sort of thing without them earning it. But I've seen lots of people get annoyed about the fact that there's not enough of these female heroes nowadays who go through the hero's journey and earn their place as a hero they just start out with all these great powers and they know everything, which is true and it's a bit rubbish. But how many of these same people are getting annoyed about stuff like Duke Nukem? The myriad, the laundry list of male heroes who are basically the same.
0: But okay, we didn't get annoyed about it in the 90s, but we definitely got annoyed about it with Duke Nukem Forever.
1: Right. Tell me more about that.
0: The character was just so 2D and dull. At this point, we had things like Half-Life, Halo, Bioshock. And Duke Nukem, in this game that's taken 15 bloody years to get out the door, comes in here and he skewers all of them like he's better than them. And me, looking at the game, was like, you fucking wish you were half as good as any of these games. Yeah. Because it was a game that it carried itself with such confidence. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the Duke Nukem brand died.
1: It's like the footballer who really peaked in high school. And Duke Nukem Forever is meeting him at the high school reunion and him still going on about the good old days when he was captain of the football team. They wanted him to be a dickhead, which that sort of character, that sort of hero has its place, but they just so poorly signposted what they wanted people to think of him. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, then let me just then ask you the question. What do you think it would take to bring Duke Nukem up to speed with the modern era?
1: One thing I think I'd quite like for Duke Nukem to be in the 21st century is an alien or several beating the shit out of him so I can shut his mouth.
0: Yeah, that would be nice.
1: Even if it's not just for me being a terrible person, which I do feel a bit like a terrible person right now saying that I actually want to beat this guy up. More the sense of having him humbled and knowing that I'm not the best anymore. I need to improve and get better.
0: So essentially what you're saying is you want Duke Nukem to be in Smash Brothers.
1: Hmm. (laughs) That does involve having to like see his stupid smug face again.
0: Okay, okay. One better then. Right. PlayStation All-Stars.
1: Oh, God.
0: (laughs) That is what Duke Nukem deserves to be.
1: Yeah, actually, you're not wrong. (laughs) I can't believe that PlayStation tried to do their own Smash Bros and failed so hard. It was right there. <laughs> it was right there and they tripped over their own arse and fell in a puddle.
0: Yeah, so I think we'll abandon Duke Nukem back on the PS3 in that game where no one can ever think of it again.
3: I'm getting too old for this shit.
0: Now, after your textual analysis of this man who probably can't spell either of those words, <laughs> this is normally where we put it in the right ends. However, I had a hard time getting stories on this one. I wonder why. But one has came to our rescue. Cowboy over at The Game Corp Podcast, a podcast that I fucking love. It's a game review podcast, but it has got this whole meta narrative of them being based at some evil corporation. Highly recommended, I'll tweet our link to the podcast. But Cowboy's written in with. My father made the mistake of leaving it on the family computer one day, and after secretly engaging in a few expletive-filled one-liners and tossing a pipe bomb into the stall where an alien was on the toilet... This game would see itself as a major part of my teen identity. I must have played it so much that the layout of the first level was basically seared into my memory, and I still to this day, 20 years later, use the phrase Damn, those alien bastards are going to pay for shooting up my ride. when things go wrong. (laughs) Not to mention, the Duke is an enigma. The immaturity of his over-the-top badass personality is almost at the level of parody but somehow able to take itself seriously while being in on the joke at the same time. A game like this would be criticised into oblivion today, and quite rightly so. But even so, his image and legacy still persist into the memes and pop culture of today. I guess this kind of thing just worked in the 90s, when culture still had some growing up to do. And now ain't nobody able to cancel the Duke. So in summary, problematically classic and never-endingly iconic Hail to the king, baby. Thank you for that, Cowboy. I hope they give you at least some overtime for that one at GameCorp.
1: I'm sorry for uh, shitting all over your childhood and teenage years.
0: But he even he admits that it's hard to criticise that game today. But that is a great example of how it was seen at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: There was a 90s cool to this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that.
0: In that idea when characters were simplistic and you didn't look for depth... Which, back then, we didn't have a lot of deep characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mario just jumped on things. Sonic was just cool because he had Bill Clinton's shoes or whatever it was.
2: <laughs>
0: and we hadn't had things like the depth of Metal Gear Solid or Final Fantasy 7 wasn't the mainstream name that there was yet. We didn't look for massive depth in our heroes at the time. And in that era, Duke ruled as king. We've driven the point into the ground now. That doesn't work anymore. But I do think it is worth remembering that there was a time when this was the zeitgeist.
1: It was of a time, though. A time that's not now.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It'll be very interesting to see if they decide to do that John Cena film, how they manage to translate everything that Duke Nukem is, warts and all, into something that would work today. And I don't think it's undoable, but... I think that they've got a different audience to impress. Casting a wrestler as Duke Nukem is kind of a good move.
0: Now, as far as I read the other day, the John Cena thing may have fallen through. It's not entirely known. It's one of these nebulous plans in Hollywood.
1: But I think casting a wrestler would be a good shout. I don't know about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I think he's too likable. But then he is also quite a good performer. I realised that when watching Southland Tales, which is
0: a masterpiece. I think with that capacity I made earlier, John Cena is the perfect fit.
1: Oh yeah, for absolute sure, it matches his star image. There's a cultural context to all this that I didn't get and that I'm missing out on. So I will not be able to appreciate it in the same way that Cowboy or someone else who liked that game at the time can.
0: Exactly, and I don't think there's anything wrong with still liking that game today. If you have a nostalgia for this game and for the fun you've had playing it, you are absolutely right to have that and we are no way invalidating that.
1: Yeah, we live in some pretty shit times. I take the joy you can get when you can get it.
0: I, for the one, will always find myself out of (laughs) bubblegum.
1: There is quite a bit of good to the game, but for me, the bad outweighed the good in a big way.
3: What we do in life echoes in eternity. Here's your eternity, you alien bitch.
0: Right. Since you didn't finish the game, I thought we could do something different for our final roundup. From now on, when you bail out of a game, we'll finish it with a new version of the three gens, that I'm calling the three anti-gens. So for last gen, why do you think this game was so popular when it first came out? And what about those elements have stopped it aging so well?
1: Well, it's a very masculine game that's aimed at men and young boys because that's what the gaming industry was at that point. Devil didn't think girls play video games. There are still people today that don't think girls play video games despite the obvious, but back then it wasn't as obvious.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's got really satisfying gameplay, with a good variety of weapons and a bunch of gratuitous female nudity, which I'm sure some people appreciated.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it in some places, but not in other places in that game.
1: Yes, which we've talked about already. Mm-hmm. I mean, they certainly didn't phone in on drawing those babes because the game design looks good. It looks really good for the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The gameplay itself is still satisfying,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even to someone playing it now. You switch your brain off for a good bit and you want some mindless shooty games, then you'll probably get it here. On that front, there's quite a bit to praise for it. But there's so much else, like the way women are treated in the game. Mm -hmm. Not just in a political correctness type thing, also more on a basic plot level Mm -hmm. for me. I think that it's very of the time. Coming back to the point that you made about video game designers living in the John Carmack school of video game storytelling, Mm -hmm. where it's just like story in a porno. A lot of pornos are not cinematic classics. There's not going to be very many film courses that are going to be studying them. I mean, if Duke Nukem storytelling is just that, and considering we can do better, mm-hmm. I don't know why it's considered a classic. It does annoy me that there was so much that was just phoned in, at best.
0: Okay. For current gen, what would you like to see change that would have made you more likely to finish the game?
1: I think the way they handle the babes, first and foremost.
0: So if you had the Duke Nukem 64 version, you'd think you'd have a better time finishing that game?
1: Probably. I'd probably still find Duke Nukem pretty annoying, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't like how he treated the corpses of the aliens, unless the Nintendo 64 version took that out as well. If you can't be bothered with a certain plot element in your game, then just take it out.
0: So if there were no babes in this game, do you think you would still have the violent reaction you had at the end of episode two?
1: Probably not. Really? I mean, I'm a simple gal. I just wanted to save the babes. Maybe give the girlfriend's Duke Nukem Shag a bit more to do. Maybe one of them helps you get ammo or health or gives you a good weapon or maybe you save them or whatever. They could have done something with it. You know you've effed up. When you've got a feminist yelling at you to objectify the women better.
2: <laughs> like,
1: you could have given them a bit more to do and also made them scantily dressed or topless or whatever you want to do. Just having a bit of a better framework. Like, I didn't even know who my villain was.
0: There is no villain in the game.
1: Exactly. It's just a final boss. Who is the villain I'm trying to face? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that even is. There's a final boss and that's it. Who cares? Why are we here? I would have quite liked to know that, not expecting masterful storytelling, but having something that... Oh, right, okay, this is how I'm going to get there. Oh, Duke Nukem is supposed to be like this, and this is why. Right, okay. I didn't get that in Duke Nukem 3D, because that's not really what they put their time and attention to. You've got to prove to me why I should care, and why I should keep playing.
0: 100%, yeah.
1: Duke Nukem 3D doesn't do that... There's an arrogance to it that kind of, for me, has not earned that arrogance.
0: And finally for Next Gen, has doing this game put you off covering more games of this franchise or of this genre?
1: Of the franchise? Yes.
0: Yeah, we're never touching another Duke Nukem game in this podcast. Never in a million years.
1: Even with the platformers, I've seen gameplay of them and there's not much there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Duke Nukem Forever is just a continuation of a game that I don't like at all and I feel has wasted
0: my time. Okay then, how do you feel about first-person shooters after this game?
1: I still want to play some more first-person shooters. It's like deciding you're never going to watch any science fiction again because you watched two-thirds of Ready Player One or the Kerblam episode of Doctor Who. You know, the one where Amazon's the good guy? Oh, yeah. And the striking workers are the baddies? Yeah, that happened. Sorry to bring that up again, Doctor Who fans. I think it's a bit reductive to say that, oh, all first-person shooters are bad because I have had a bad time with one first-person shooter.
0: There is a whole lineage of games that come from Duke Nukem 3D, like Blood to Redneck Rampage, that we are not touching on this podcast. I think they speak of a time, but not of the evolution of the genre.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the first-person shooter has gone since then and what they've improved upon.
0: Yeah, the next time we come back to Shooters, it'll probably be to do something like Half-Life or Halo.
1: Yeah, I've heard really good things about that.
0: I think they're going to be more what you're looking for in Shooters.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: I would also warn you that, sadly, when it comes to how they treat women in video games, we are very much still in the middle of the night. The dawn's not going to come for a long time in this podcast.
1: There are parts of Grand Theft Auto where you kill prostitutes, and you can do that if you want to.
0: Yeah, so we will probably find ourselves scrutting against the subject again in the future. Yeah. I wish I knew how to quit you. Alright, time to cast the body of the Duke of Los Angeles into the hole we've been digging for 15 years.
3: I guess he didn't escape from LA.
0: Yes, thank Christ. This is usually the point where I announce our next episode, but I can't find any evidence of any other video game worth talking about.
1: What? What do you mean?
0: ...without any other video games to come forward... ...I'm unfortunately forced to bring this podcast to a close.
1: What? OBJECTION!
0: Wait! It seems there's another video game to be brought to trial.
2: Oh!
0: Yeah. So next time... ...let's go into the wacky world... ...of... ...murder... ...law... ...and for some reason... ...stepladders. Huh? And play... ...Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney.
1: Yay!
0: You got an opinion on the Phoenix Wright series? Come submit your testimony to starterquest at gmail.com or send your tweets to at starterquest with your thoughts, your feelings, your reasons why you like or dislike the Ace Attorney series. And we'll read the best ones out at the end of the episode. For now, though, I do have to say thank you very much for listening for this much different style of podcast. Mm -hmm. I know we've given such a bad review to Duke Nukem, but we still have to cheekily ask you to give us a good review on your podcast platform of choice.
1: Thanks. That'd be great
0: as it really will help us get more attention on us. Speaking of, I do also have to give a mountainous thanks to the boys over at the Attitude Era podcast who read out our sponsored ad on one of their recent episodes. We know there's a lot of fans who have came over to listen to us. The guys have been sending me messages on Twitter and it's been amazing to read it all. Thank you so much for giving us a chance.
1: I don't know about you, but hearing that sponsored read just made my day.
0: Yeah, we were both so giddy reading it. Yeah, it was really exciting. So to all those people who have came over, I can only offer you a good day and a glarge.
1: I like to consider myself a writer and I have a website, jenhueswriting.com. You'll find me on social media as well. My Facebook page, Jen Who's Writing, and very dormant Instagram page, Jen Who's Writing.
0: A big thank you goes out to Blind for this episode's theme song, Bass Bag. Available over at ocremix.org Thank you! Until next time, when we find an attorney to sue Duke Nukem for emotional distress <laughs>
1: There'll
0: be a goodbye from me, Alessandro
1: And a goodbye from me, Jen
0: And uh quest... failed? Quest failed!
1: I want another engine
0: but george sweetie we've already got the quake engine at home
1: i don't want the quake engine i want the unreal version and i want it now
0: okay okay sweetie we'll get you the unreal engine are you happy now
1: daddy i want unreal 3 engine
0: oh georgie